Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Funded Show. I am Zach Vitosh with DenverStips.com. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash Radio Network. Uh, make sure to give us a follow at Denver Stiffs at NBN Radio. Make sure we're going over to Instagram at the Denver Stiffs if that's your thing. Uh, and if you're on Facebook, give us a follow and a like, especially because this show will end right about 5 o'clock. So then about 5.30, uh, I will be down on the court uh, for the Nuggets and Mavericks game tonight. And I will be doing a Facebook Live video, doing a Q&A then. So if you want to get involved, you want to catch kind of a little behind-the-scenes look uh, at the Nuggets warming up for tonight's game, make sure to um, make sure to check that out on Facebook. All right, uh, let me get into my co-hosts. First, all the way down in Dallas, it's Mr. Evan Fiala. Evan, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you guys doing? I just can't, can't complain, right? Can't complain at all. Uh, it's the weekend, so I always, I always enjoy that. <laughs> Nothing better. Uh, also with us in Littleton, a little bit closer, is Daniel Lewis. Dan, what's going on? Just enjoying a nice soda, not a pop. Soda, not a pop. And, uh, getting ready Amen. For this pod. Amen. Yeah, who says pop? Like honestly, that's like a, I think that's that's like a Midwest thing, like like a Chicago thing, right? Yeah, maybe if you like your pizza sauce on top of your cheese, and <laughs> be cold like six months of the year. <laughs> Hold on now. I, I do enjoy a good Chicago-style pizza every now and then. When it's really cold, actually, it, it works out pretty well. So I see why they like that in Chicago. But I don't know why they would call it pop. You know, I was thinking about this, though. Um, I used to call it pop when I was, like, a little kid. Like, uh, that that's what I, what I call it. But now, uh, we, the reason we're talking about this, we had a big debate in our um, amongst our writers about this. But now now I would just call it, I would just call it soda or cola, uh, depending depending on the drink. Anyways, we are we are not a carbonated drink podcast. Unfortunately, that would be actually pretty sweet if we were, but we're not we're a Nuggets podcast. So, um let's get our let's get our rundown here real quick. Uh, first off the the New York Knicks, that game was just there on Thursday night. Nuggets get the win against uh against New York now on a two-game winning streak. Um so we'll break down that game. Um Tyler Lydon, the Denver's first round pick. Uh, got injured on Wednesday against the Rio, well, playing for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. 
uh, in the G League. He is expected to miss four months, underwent surgery on Friday, and now out for four months with a knee injury. So we'll we'll get into Tyler Lydon uh, a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, trade deadline, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, that's been moved up. It is about just about two weeks away, maybe about 10, 10 or so days away, a little bit more. We'll get into that, um, talk about whether or not the Nuggets will make a move. And then finally, like I said, the Mavericks here are coming up uh, in just a couple of hours. So we will try and get some time to give a, get a breakdown of them uh, as well. And that'll be that will be the show. So New York Knicks. Uh, let's break into it. Uh, Denver, of course, gets the win, uh, big win, 130-118, kind of an old school Old school, as in last year's style uh, of game for the Nuggets with the big scoring. Uh, one thing I noticed early on, though, we we last just last week we were talking about the Plumley, uh, Mason Plumley, Nikola Jokic lineup, and how we were breaking down how why it doesn't work and what the problems um, the Nuggets have been having with it. I, it actually played really well uh, against the New York Knicks. Now I, I was talking with some of the Knicks writers on Twitter about it, and they they definitely reminded me, hey, Enos Cantor is not a uh, is not a defensive stalwart in any means of the word. So that's probably got something to do with it. But uh, it, it was actually, it was actually pretty dominant, especially there in the first quarter. Uh, Dan, what, what did you think of the, of the Mason Plumley Jokic pairing last night and, and why was it successful? Uh, <laughs> I think it was successful because coach Malone didn't call any plates for Mason Plumley. Um, but fair, uh, fair assessment. I think also it is, you know, Coach Mullen has said in the past that he wants to try to use that adjust the starting lineup for the different matchups in the games. And when you're starting a game against Chris Apps, Persingis, and Enos Kanner, then it is helpful to have two bigs in there. You know, right. one one to help because those guys are both, for all intents and purposes, centers. They're, you know, Persingis is 7'3", Kanner's about 7 feet tall as well. So I can see why it would work. Um, and, uh, like, I think Jokic also would, gets a little bit more motivated when he has to go against Porzingis just because of the, the European connection. Sure. So I, I think, I think, yes, it did work against the Knicks. Um, but also it, that, that's a game where that kind of lineup is going to have success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I th- you bring up a really good point there, though. They they, they didn't uh, they didn't really run a lot of plays for Mason Plumlee. It's almost like been in this kind of the situation where it's been kind of awkward uh, for the Nuggets because they 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 traded for Plumlee to be that backup center to Jokic, right? To be kind of the the poor man's Jokic, if you will, so that when when he was off the court, Plumlee could kind of run some of the same concepts. But when they play them together, it's almost like they're still trying to do that, like they're trying to utilize him. But you can't, you can't have two guys on the court doing what they do uh, at the same time. So then you end up with Jokic standing over in the corner uh, and, and kind of looking, looking uh, disinterested in the game. When when they switched it up and they kind of basically made Plum Plumley more use them kind of like how they've used Kenneth Fareed, uh, that that seemed to work. Evan, is is that kind of? Do you think that's like the key to making Plumley and Jokic work? Is you've got to basically just make him play a, a role similar to like what Kenneth Fareed would play when he's with Jokic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jokic is effective when he's not really just hanging out on the perimeter and setting screens and stuff. And we saw that earlier in the season when they were they first got put together in the lineup. But um, you know, now that 
Jokic kind of has a little bit more space to to do his thing, to let people cut and to to post up and stuff. Whereas when Plumlee can kind of just sit off to the side like Free did, uh, yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head. That's exactly what what Jokic needs to be able to be effective if he's going to be that, paired with Plumlee. I think it's helpful for Plumlee as well. Like, you know, right. Jokic had a couple of passes to him in that first quarter. Where it's if you're passing him the ball and he's within 10 feet of the rim, like that's, that's like his max range. If he's, if he's making, trying to make plays from like 18 feet, right. it's just not a threat to score. And it, it makes it more difficult go in for with him a reverse to get quality field goal attempts. Yeah. But like, if you're giving him the ball up close, at least, you know, at least you're giving him somewhat of a shot to be able to score. I would say that was almost last night. Yeah, Jokic was getting him so close to the basket that he almost had to do the reverse dunk. He did like three of them in a row, basically, because because the the Knicks. It's almost like they didn't expect it. It was, it was just Plumlee just standing right under the basket and Jokic hitting him, uh, and then him just doing his. I think I think Plumlee's just decided he's not going to he's not going to dunk facing forward anymore for the rest of the year. That's his. That's the style. It wasn't. It wasn't all. Uh, it wasn't all roses though for the Nuggets last night. They they had so many chances to step on the Knicks' throat uh, and just couldn't do it. They kept letting them hang around, hang around, hang around. And there in the fourth quarter, it was it was the craziest thing. Is Michael Beasley and Trey Burke um, are the two guys who are lighting up, who are just lighting up the Nuggets. Uh, and, and and you're you're sitting here and you're looking at them like these are like the two of the biggest castoffs. Uh, that that Denver or the, not that Denver, but that that the NBA has seen here in a while. Two guys who are by all accounts busts, and they're they're one hundred percent destroying the Nuggets. I mean, it reminds you of like uh, against San Antonio, right? It was Davis Bertans with the uh, hitting all those threes and lighting them up. Dan, is there any is there like a pattern? Do you think to this is it or or why? What did you see about about Beasley and Burke, maybe specifically? I mean, what were they doing that that would made it so hard for the Nuggets to defend them? Uh, well, I mean, Emmanuel Moody played 13 minutes, <laughs> right. um, and then Will Barton played 39 minutes, which is the most for anybody in the entire game. And so, you know, if you're, if you're trying to defend, um, Michael Beasley with Wilson Chandler and Will Barton, like he's going to put up jumpers against those guys. And, you know, they went in, you know, against the, against the Nuggets, but for Burke, like the Nuggets' biggest weakness is defending the pick and roll, and Burke was just attacking the pick and roll and getting shots. So he, you know, not only did he have 18 points, he had 11 assists. So he's just coming off that screen, you know, with Canner uh, or Willie Hernan Gomez in there, and just kicking it out to someone like Beasley or Thomas. Um, and those guys just had open shots. Uh, the Nuggets also had a pretty big lead, at, you know, at one point in the third quarter there. Right. And I think I think a lot of, I think that was one of those games too where you could say that the Nuggets' effort, like once they got up by like double digits, they're like, ah, uh, yep, we're up yeah. by like twelve. We're not going to try very hard, and then it would get back down to like seven points, and they'd go on another quick run, and then you know the Knicks would answer with a run. So right. I think I think that was one of those games where it's. Just the second unit wasn't really putting forward a lot of effort. That's very true, and you know, I saw. I remember seeing it on the first unit too. There was there was one play, and I think it was in the fourth quarter. And, and you're right. I think it was just like 
The Nuggets got back up by like 14 or so points. Uh, and, and it was actually Murray uh, who was defending Burke. And he, I mean, he just let him blow right by him and really didn't give any effort. And, and Burke, of course, gets an easy layup. Um, Evan, do you think there's – is there any credence to the idea that – the Nuggets, the, 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 they play down to their competition. And so so the, when, when the, a team like the Knicks came in and these guys like Michael Beasley and Trey Burke are, are who they're, they're seeing across from on the court, do they almost – do you feel like that the, they almost just don't try – I don't even want to say try. I don't even know it's like an effort. Maybe it's just like a mental thing, right, that they just don't – they don't think that they have to have to play as well to be able to beat those guys. Do you think there's any any thought or any you know reality behind that? Yeah, you know, I was, you know, reading this question and thinking about it. I was going to say that I think it is more of a mental thing, and this isn't the first time we've seen it this year. Um, we could probably talk about this later when we talk about the Dallas game, but when the Mavericks were in town last week, the exact same thing happened. The right. Nuggets were up by like twenty three at one point, and then they just let them come back into the game. The our guards in particular had a lot of trouble containing. Uh, Dennis Smith, and he could pretty much walk in and get a layup at will. And what turned it turned from a blowout game into you know somewhat of a nail biter at the end, and um, you know that happened on Thursday with New York as well. So I do think it is a mental thing. I think you know the team, the Nuggets are so young still; they feel like they still have to learn that. Oh, hey, we do need to play hard all four right. eight minutes. We can't, you know, these. Are, this team might have a worse record than us, but they're still NBA players. They're still they're still going to be trying hard to win and not get embarrassed and blown out. So, um, you know, Denver just has to kind of have that have that attitude of not ever, you know, stepping off their throat when they're up that much. Right, right, and, and I think I mean a lot of that is the development, just being developing um uh, as a as a younger team, but. I just hate. I just hate keep giving that excuse for every single time. It's like, man, you know. I mean, we're not none, the rookie, Nuggets rookies are playing other than Tory Craig, who's been playing. I mean, he's uh, what is he twenty six years old and been playing professional basketball for uh, nearly a decade. You know, so it's it's hard to it's hard to just just continue pointing to oh well they're young and uh, they're that this is why they do that. But it's, it, it is, I mean, it is there. I think it's a legit reason. I think you're right that I think a mental aspect of it, um, is, is something that they struggle with quite a bit, especially when playing uh, a team like the Knicks and then getting up like they did. Uh, the other thing that of course they struggled with the whole time was just the defense, uh, which was, which was horrendous pretty much all night. I mean, it's, I, it's not, I thought they, they did an okay job on Porzingis. Uh, Porzingis also helped them out by by kind of taking himself out of a of couple of good situations on his own, um, but but overall well, he, he fouled out of the game. Yeah, and then he fouls <laughs> out with like like five minutes left, uh, almost or just under five minutes left in the game. But but otherwise, I mean, they they it was like like I said when uh, I was talking about the open in the opening of the segment that you know, this was kind of an old school game like they had last year where they just outscore these teams. Um, Dan, we were talking about this a little bit just before we got on the pod. Like, is that what they should just try to do? At least, at least until Paul Millsap comes back, should they just try and be a team who's going to win 130 to 118 every night? Um, I I think so. I mean, like the the whole point of basketball is to score more points than your opponent. Like, you can either outscore them Dan. or 
limit them to fewer points. Like, it doesn't, you know, it may sound cheesy, but like, if you score 130 points and they only score 125, like, you still win. You can complain about your defense all you want, but at the end of the night, you still had more points than them and you got to win. Right. And like, I, I don't, well, I know for certain that the Nuggets don't have anybody like the caliber of Paul Millsap on their team. So putting Plumley in to try to become Paul Millsap, like that doesn't work. He's not Paul Millsap. So right. you should try to go with what you know works, and that's scoring a ton of points, um, whether that's by putting Wilson Chandler at power forward or dusting off Kenneth Freed for a couple of minutes, or even putting Plumley in there, but just being like, look, Plumley, like, you're not... Like we signed We're you to be this like points. ball distributing right. center. Don't <laughs> right. do that. Just go down and stand underneath the hoop. You know, like George Carl used to put JaVale McGee out of bounds. <laughs> like just stand out here and then wait for somebody to drive and get close. But like just put Mason down under the hoop and just be like, look, man, you just catch the ball here if somebody cuts and gets open and then you run out to the sides and screen. Like right. you're not getting the ball until Jokic is off the court. And then you can like fill in as the like, you know, poor man's Jokic. So, I I think like your goal should just be to have you know have a higher net rating for the entire game than the other team, score more points than them. So, if it's not working defensively, you might as well just try to score more points. There you go. That is that. I mean, and I, there, there's there you go. That's my analysis. That's it. <laughs> score more points. Uh, <laughs> no, that. But I get what you're saying. It took a long time to say that, man. You're welcome. <laughs> Dan's, Dan was, it's like that, that, that was my school. best Gordon Gross impression. It was, it was his, oh, geez, taking shots at Gordon on the pod. Come on. <laughs> no, it's like, uh, I was going to say, it's like that high school presentation when you're not really prepared. So you've got to like kind of stretch out the, the, the one fact you actually know about that book report. You've got to try and stretch it out the entire five minute presentation. Work in yeah. manifest destiny somehow. You got five minutes to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but no, I but but I I agree with what you're saying there. I mean, it's you can't expect Plumlee to do what Paul Millsap is uh, capable of doing. We were talking about this before the pod too, and how how uh, Millsap. I mean, he, he the difference. I I think. I mean, the major difference is on the offensive end is at least is that that Millsap can stretch the floor, whereas uh, Plumlee cannot. I mean, he's he's not like said any more effective outside of ten foot, but. When, when they use him in that Fareed role, uh, it, it works just fine, and he still does give you something on your on the defensive end. So I think there's some there's some idea there that you can hey maybe you don't have to be quite as bad as you were against New York defensively. I, I think you can be better. I think it's a bit of an excuse to say that they could be uh, if they're going to try and say well that's that's as good as they can do. That being said, like. You're not gonna. We, we've already tried to make it work. Like, like where they try and grind it out with these teams, and then more often than not, they just don't get it done. Um, so I, I tend to agree. Well, like, I think when, they need to be an offensive team. Go ahead. When when Jokic and Plumlee are out there and they're running these plays where Plumlee's initiating the offense, and Jokic is standing in the corner, and nothing's opening up because the defense is like, uh, "We're just gonna yeah. let Plumlee beat us off the dribble," right, and he exactly. realizes that, and then he does this like double crossover. I just like die. He's like, oh no! Like, Double crossover this, to the. Here comes Mason Plumley's and one mixtape. Like, <laughs> as long as hey, as long as they throw in that uh, that runner from the free throw line that he he shot. What was that? I think it was maybe two games. I can't remember who it was against. But that was against Portland. 
It was, yeah, yeah it was just, just like plug like it in a, from 18 feet. <laughs> like the Raymond Felton-inspired floater. Uh, but it wasn't a floater at all. It was like a line drive because he's so tall. Uh, that was that was a funny one. Um, Evan, what about you, man? Do you think – are the Nuggets – I mean, should they just try and win games just simply by, by beating teams, you know, uh, 130 to 118? Or do you think uh, that they should probably try and tighten up the defense some more? It's yeah. To me, it's just glaringly obvious that they should be trying to go back to their offense from last year as much as possible. And you know, obviously, the Millsap being out kind of allows for that a little bit more. Uh, I don't think they need to be. You know, they they can be focused on their offense and whatnot, and still try on defense, obviously. But uh, um, I just want them to take Plumlee out of the starting lineup. You know, <laughs> I think that would help things out a lot more. And that doesn't mean that Jokic and Pumley don't can't play together. Like, I just don't think it's optimizing the the offensive potential having them out there together. But I mean, if if things change and they start playing on offense like it did uh, the other night, then then that's fine by me. But to me, yeah, they they need to figure out the offense. Um, and I think that'd be good if they got back to that kind of level of play, that free flow, freestyle. Uh, no set plays or limited set plays, right. and then when Millsap does come back, he'll you know he'll be watching this on the bench and whatnot, and we'll be able to see like I think he'll be able to fit back in and uh, and bolster up the defense a bit while not really harming the offense. Right. I think also too with the like if you're just gonna try to go all offense, like you do have to play defense, but like Malone can just be like, hey, look, like just play defense for like. 10 minutes of the third quarter you know like if you can come out in the third quarter because then you know, that's close enough to the end of the game that they're probably going to wave the white flag if you go up by 20 25 points so like, hey look right. guys just defend for eight minutes and if you <laughs> defend for eight minutes we're going to go up by 20 and then they're not going to be able to catch up but like if you're to me like we have to defend for 48 minutes some of the guys on the team are just like oh that's impossible but if it's just like no just do it for 10 minutes. It's all we need. Mm-hmm. Then you can just let them score every time down. We don't even care. Don't foul them. Just give up layups and threes. It doesn't matter because we're going to score as well. But, like, we just need you to get, like, four or five stops in a row, and we'll be fine. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's not a bad way to look at it. I mean, it's not at all. And then Because um, you're right. You, especially in Denver. You know, if you put the if you put the pedal to the metal on a team like that and and get up uh, get up there late in the third quarter by uh, close to twenty points, by that time the guys are starting to get gassed. They're sucking wind. You know, it, it, it's it's just they're not going to want to they're not going to want to continue to continue to fight. And you could you could steal a lot of games that way. Um, it's just interesting. I'll say full disclosure: we're actually recording on Friday night, and now it's. Uh, significant fear that Pelicans DeMarcus Cousins Achilles injury is serious. That's from Adrian Wojnarowski. Not as serious as that Tyler Lydon injury. Not as... Boom! Segway from Evan. I love it. (laughs) Gold star. (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's get into Tyler Lydon. So, it's so funny. It's not funny at all. Let me me, me clarify it all. We we wish the best for Tyler Lydon and we're pulling for him. Uh, I saw a tweet. He said how some people are giving him uh, giving him some hard, hard times, some Syracuse guys, uh, Syracuse guys. What do you expect? But uh, no, I mean, best best of luck for Tyler Lydon, man. We're pulling for him, and and it, I, the thing that stinks is so he has this. It's it's what I guess what I was think is that it's interesting. He ends up getting injured on Wednesday, and really nobody really hears about it 
um, until Friday after he's already had surgery. Uh, and, and then that's when, when Woj tweets out that um, he will be out at least four months uh, recovering from arthroscopic knee surgery. Uh, they do not, they didn't say, nobody has said exactly the Nuggets did in their press release either what the exact injury was, uh, whether it was an ACL tear or, or a meniscus or, or whatever. Um, and we won't speculate. Four months could be a lot of things, but a, a serious injury, of course, nonetheless. Um, Evan, what do you, what do you think, man? How does this, how does this kind of affect the long-term outlook uh, for Tyler Lydon, Tyler Lydon himself, and then Tyler Lydon and the Nuggets? <clears throat> Oh, sorry. Is that me? Yeah, that's you. Yep. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, for Lydon, it makes him, you know, it makes his job a lot harder. He's trying to crack an NBA roster. Losing four months like that, it's it's almost detrimental to him. Um, and for that, you know, that that just really blows. But what can he do about it? The Nuggets, I don't think it really uh, changes things much for them long term, other than they might not have a filler in a trade piece or a backup to the backup power forward. Um, right. So, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it, you feel for the guy because he's working hard and he's he's actually played decently well in the G League this year. He's had right. some high-scoring games and whatnot. Uh, and obviously you don't want, you don't really wish injury on anyone, but, uh, yeah, for, for Denver – it's not that big of a deal right now, but right, you know, yeah, right. Like it's um, Dan I might mean, be a little more emotional. Dan's Dan's crying on on microphone right now. No, it's um, it obviously doesn't <laughs> I, affect them at all. I am I am uh, bopping up the tears with my Twilight <laughs> jersey. <laughs> the only one who Whatever. ever sold it. We, and, and you made that. Nice. You made that, uh, Dan. Dan, don't lie. We know you took one of those Tyler Lydon Instagram photos with him and the puppy, and you like blew it up into a poster. It's, you know, it's on your room. It's a, it's a fat head in my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's on his ceiling. So when he falls asleep, oh. it's, it's the last thing you see. Oh. We're awful. We're so terrible. Uh, no, uh, I've completely lost my train of thought here. So no, it's um, you're right. It doesn't affect the Nuggets at all this season. I mean, Tyler Lydon has played all of two minutes. Uh, for for Denver, so it doesn't hurt them anyway in the short term. And far as the long term, I yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of feel like Tyler Lydon was kind of this. It was kind of a question mark when they drafted him because they they just traded for Trey Lyles and they have Juancho Hernan Gomez. They still have Darrell Arthur uh, probably for next season. They just signed Paul. Uh, they signed Paul Millsap as well now. Um, the Nuggets are fine at power forward, so uh, for them long term, it's fine. For Lydon, it sucks, man. It sucks because it's. These are these are the crucial moments, especially for a guy who's late, uh, you know, a late first rounder. <clears throat> excuse me, like he is. Uh, it's it's hard. It's that much harder now to get to get noticed and get minutes. Um, and and I feel for the guy. Dan, what about you, man? What do you think about the long term uh, view given given this injury for Tyler Lydon? Well, I mean, on the on the night when they drafted him, they had Wilson Chandler, who is in the second to last year of his contract as. A small ball power forward, Wancho, who's in the second season as a small ball power forward. They traded for Lyles, who's a traditional power forward in his third year. They had Freed, who's on the second, you know, second to last year of his contract, and then they signed Paul Millsap. So he's like seventh on the depth chart. 
So he's basically just like a redneck Bruno Caboclo, like two years away from being two years away. <laughs> but like now he's like two and a half years away from being two years away. So um, I think long term, like he, he was basically just a guy that they just took to be like, well, I guess stretch fours are nice to have, you know, so they took one and I, I didn't see a pathway for him to get consistent minutes until like his sixth or seventh year in the league with an, even if he's with the Nuggets still, but so right. I don't think it makes too much big of an impact for the Nuggets. Uh, I, I don't think if, if he's not able to come back, I mean, he, he's not like the most athletic player um and you know having a knee injury takes a little bit away from your game so i i don't think that he's going to play more than 400 minutes for his entire career as a nuggets player which is it's kind of unfortunate because you know like they took the lakers took kyle kuzma four picks later and he's killing it yeah yeah. he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been playing for denver anyways so it doesn't matter exactly he would have been he would have been playing for rio grand valley Tearing it up in the right. G League, um, yeah. I, it's like I said, it's um, it's it's gonna be interesting to see, man. It's the thing. The thing about it is that 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 at least helps him out is that he's the he's the twenty fourth overall pick, right? He's not like a uh, top ten pick, so his contract is not as rough, which is why I think one of the reasons that he's probably. I mean, the Nuggets will uh, probably hang around with him for a while. Um, or at least I would think for what does he cost them? Like 1.5 million. I mean, he doesn't cost them like anything. Um, so yeah. that's, they, they'll, I think they'll give him time, you know, to try and make it, uh, to make it work. But, um, it is tough. It is tough to just lose that development. And it's cause the clock still is ticking no matter what, uh, on that rookie contract. Um, let's see, do we, do we really need to cover any more about Tyler Light and his injury? Uh, I think we're all probably going to say it doesn't really change our view on the draft night trade because we were. All We've probably... talked about him for four times as long as he's played on the court this season. <laughs> Facts. Oh. Good for all him. All right. All right. Tell you what, we will. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break, um, and then we will get back. Let's get back. Let's talk trade deadline. I, man, I always want to talk about Demarcus Cousins. Though. But uh, we'll we'll get into the trade deadline, um, and then and then we'll we'll get a little Mavericks preview. Maybe we'll I'll get a quick your guys' quick thought on on the on the Cousins injury as we're learning it in real time. All right, so let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. 
Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Cross my heart, hope to die To my lover, I'd never lie Said be true, I swear I'll try In the end, it's him and I He's got his head, I'm on my mind We got that love, the crazy kind I am his, and he is mine In the end, it's him and I My 65 speeding up the PCH, a hell of a ride They don't wanna see us make it, they just wanna divide 2017, Bonnie and Clyde Wouldn't see the point of living on if one of us died Yeah uh, Alright everybody, welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. We're here with Evan Fiala, Dan Lewis. We spent uh, we spent the first half talking about the Knicks game and a little bit about Plumlee and Jokic. Uh, as Dan pointed out, spent time, uh, eight minutes talking about Tyler Lydon, which is four times as much minutes as he played for the Nuggets this season. Uh, and so now, now we're going to get into some, some more interesting topics, which is uh, which is uh, the trade deadline, right? It is. Uh, it is right around the corner. They move the trade deadline up two weeks this this year because uh, because otherwise you get those awkward. Uh, see, it all it's all coming back to Demarcus Cousins tonight. Uh, you get those awkward moments like last year where Cousins gets traded uh, during the All Star game and finds out in the All Star game post press conference, uh, post game press conference. More, more real quick. More Tyler Lydon facts. They, the Nuggets spent more time. Figuring out they were going to pick Tyler Lydon, then he actually <laughs> played this season. <laughs> oh man, it's it sucks that he's that he's hurt. So you 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 feel bad for the guy. You don't want to make you don't want to poke fun at it. But uh, that would make a, that would make a great article. Uh, things that have happened that that spent we've spent more minutes on than Tyler Lydon did playing for the Nuggets this season. Uh, I'd love him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably probably not get that one approved. Um, anyways, <laughs> let's let's get into the trade deadline, man. That's uh, it's as good as time as any because it is just it is just about two weeks away. Um, Dan, I'll ask you first: uh, Will the Nuggets make a move on the on or around the trade deadline? No, I don't no. think so. Is there uh, any particular reason? Well, I mean, because they're the as Nuggets. Of late, the Nuggets have gotten really close with a lot of trades. They had things on the irons, but. I don't know. I, I'd say no just because I'm, I'm a little bit... I'm actually a very positive person in real life. I'm just very pessimistic about the Nuggets. Um, I, I wouldn't... I would hope that they would make a trade, but I just don't expect them to. Yeah, it's... Um, the, it's a fair criticism. The Nuggets, they, they, we, we hear this all the time. I will, I will argue with you guys. You know, they made a trade on draft night. Um, they made a trade last, last trade deadline. Major, major pickup of Roy Hibbert. Um, I think they they made well, a deal. and they picked up Mason Plumley. They, they made two up, trades. Oh, that's right. They picked, they traded for Mason Plumley. It wasn't quite deadline, but it was close. Uh, what the year? I don't think they did anything that draft night before. No, they didn't. They had three first round picks, and everybody thought they were going to trade, uh, and they didn't. Um, then the the year before that, they traded. I believe uh, what was it? Um, Randy Foy for DJ Augustine. I mean, these are these are earth shattering moves. 
Obviously, obviously, I'm joking. I mean, they don't. Uh, you're right. They don't. They don't make a bunch of moves. And that's the thing again is that they don't. They're not really in a position this year to make any big moves. I mean, nobody's expecting the Nuggets to make like a a superstar trade or anything like that. There's not really a lot of talk about that uh, around the league in general. I mean, we've heard some rumors about Kimball Walker. Uh, potentially, but then of course Michael Jordan comes out and says, you know, they they don't have to have a a star player in return, which of course the Nuggets are not going to give up uh, a guy of like that. For it Kimba would be Walker. very fitting for the Nuggets to trade for a veteran player at a position with a young talent already on the roster, and then bench that young oh, player. Go. <laughs> so who would that be? Uh, it would trading be... for Kemba Walker and then moving and Jamal then Murray moving to the Burton, bench. Jamal, Jamal Murray to the bench. <laughs> yeah, that. That's the thing, though. I just don't think they would. I, I, I just don't think they would do it. I think they're gonna. They're they're gonna go for it, uh, one way or another with Jamal. I think you have to, uh, honestly. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't really expect them. I mean, I think the guys. Uh, look, there, there's there's I, I look at there's there's three guys. Um, I think of that you could probably look for them to maybe make a deal. Uh, Kenneth Freed. Emmanuel Moutier, Wilson Chandler. I think those would be the three. Um, I, I don't think they'd be getting anything much in return, if, if at all. Uh, in fact, some of those guys, uh, they might even have to attach like a second round or two uh, just to just to move them. Um, but I think that would be it. That's about the only type of move I can see them making. Evan, what about you? Do you think they're going to make any uh, types of move at the deadline? You know, I'd like to be... Uh positive here and say that something would happen but i don't i don't really see it happen either um though you know it would be nice to to shed some salary and obviously like you're saying farid is a candidate moutier uh chandler would be interesting to to see what they do uh now that you know barton's barton's uh starting but um you know, I'm I'm not too optimistic that anything's going to happen because it's been like two or three years in a row now where we've kind of felt the same way that, okay, we need to clear some space, clear some people out, open up the cap sheet a little bit, and then, you know, outside of the Nurkic trade, all that Denver's gotten back is like Roy Hibbert, so... Right. It's yeah. It's funny. They almost and there was a couple of years ago where it was like, all right, they're they're just gonna make a trade. They got to get to the uh, they got to get to the salary floor, you know. So they'll they'll put it in. And it was it's kind of interesting yeah. how they and for a while it was it was just such pointless trades. You're right. They haven't they haven't done a ton of them. Let me ask you this though, Evan. Um, if they if they were gonna make a deal, what kind of deal or, or is there like a deal that you can think of that you would you would like to see them do? Ooh. I don't spend much time in the trade machine. Oh, come on so. now. <laughs> um, Shoot. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> go, you go, Dan. Okay. So, uh, there's a couple trades that I like. Uh, I'll give you my top three that I think I would be most in favor of. Uh, the first one is Darrell Arthur and Emmanuel Moody for Jonathan Simmons with the Orlando Magic. That one's been um, rumored too, hasn't it? That there's there's some talk about that. Uh, just I guess the talk would be that Orlando's in the chat, Dan. Yeah, that's just me in the chat, probably. Um, the the reasoning behind it is just that Orlando's terrible, and they need to try to just get rid of whatever they can. Um, we would have to give them Darrell Arthur, Emmanuel Moody, and we'd probably have to give them a pick. Um, like a 2019 first or something. 
but they they we could afford to give them a a first round pick later down the road because the Magic are probably going to be terrible for this year and next year as well um, after they lose Aaron Gordon most likely. So that would right. be an interesting trade to make. And Jonathan Simmons, he's he's a stud defender. He's really athletic and he can cut to the rim well. You know, he learned how to play an emotion offense with the Spurs. So I really like that trade. Um, my second favorite trade is the Nuggets would send the Brooklyn Nets their 2019 first as well because the Nets don't really care about getting good players right away because they need they need to be bad again so that once they start getting their draft picks back, they can get better picks. Um, so we send them to like a 2019 or 2021st. Kenneth Reed, Darrell Arthur, Emmanuel Moutier. And we get back Damari Carroll, who comes back to Denver. Um, Nick Stauskas, or Stauskas. And Spencer Dinwiddie, who comes back after having played his college ball here up in Boulder. Pass. Um, so it's not, it's not a super exciting trade. At least Dinwiddie's a tall guard who can play make a little bit. Carroll's actually gotten a lot better, but he's... He's owed a lot of money over this, you know, next season. Um, and then my third favorite trade is kind of a smaller trade. Uh, Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies their 2018 first and Amanda Moutier. And they get back the Memphis Grizzlies second round pick in 2018. And James Ennis the third, who's on an expiring contract. Oh, uh, but the nice thing there is that you're getting a, like, top 10 second round pick. That 30 to 40 range. Um, and you can sign second round picks to really affordable contracts. Right. So the Nuggets can still get a, they'd probably get like a, you know, third or fourth year college player who's more ready to contribute right away on a cheap contract and can be part of their rotation. So, you know, help keep them away from the luxury tax threshold. Um, and they get rid of Moutier, who's really bad. And that allows them to play Will Barton more as the like point guard for the rest of the season. And they can put James Dennis at small forward. You go. All right. That's not a. That's not a bad one. I like. I like that the framework was very uh, plumly deal uh, on that last one. You, you you trade out a first, but you get back a second. So you're not really you're not really trading a first round pick. You're just moving back about twenty picks. And you bring up the point um, about about where Denver Denver can get a better kind of almost get a better deal once you get into the second round. That's why you see a lot of teams try and trade out uh, those late first rounders. Um, well, right. I mean, like people think like first rounder, ooh, that's valuable. But like, if the Nuggets are picking like nineteenth or twentieth, you know, like, and they move back, if you just think about them moving back twelve picks, it's not as like big of a loss of right. losing a first rounder. Right. They move back eleven picks this draft, so it's um, it's a yeah. yeah. I like I like the idea <laughs> of Demari Carroll as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I've I've kind of suggested that one as well a couple times. Like, uh, you're right. The problem with him, of course, is the contract. But he's been pretty solid. He's definitely not worth uh, what he's getting paid, which I think is like 14 million per season uh, for the next two years. But but you'd figure the Nuggets would probably send back a guy like a Kenneth Reed in that deal or something like that. So they they would you'd have to exchange somewhat equal salaries. The Nuggets don't really have any expiring deals um, that are coming off the books of that of that type other than maybe Wilson Chandler if he opts out. So you, you it's not as big of a team. You're kind of already on the hook for that salary anyways, is I guess what I'm saying. So I, I, I don't mind it so much. And I think Carroll would help them a lot um, in terms of uh, what he can do on the basketball court. 
I'm of course I've, I've been saying it since since November that that if they want to you know send Emmanuel Mudiay to the Mavericks for either JJ Barrett or Devin Harris, uh, that's fine. I think Mudiay has a good chance to do well in Dallas uh, if he's going to do well anywhere. Uh, and meanwhile, the Nuggets would get a veteran point guard, which is uh, I think something that, that would help them out as well. So that would be one I'd I'd like to see. Uh, Evan, did you think of any that you were? Have you been typing away furiously on the trade machine as we've been talking? Keep going for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Evan's over there busting out his spreadsheet, uh, working out, seeing if the salaries are gonna are gonna work. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's see. I think I got one more thing I want to talk about. This. So I, I want other than uh, if we're just talking NBA uh, trade di- deadline in general. Dan, who who do you think is the biggest name that gets moved um, across the league? Well, I actually wouldn't be too surprised if Kevin Love got traded. I mean, that that, that would a be good really one. shocking. But um, I I could see that happening. I think it just. I could definitely see that happening. I, uh, one of the teams that I think could be a fit is if they try to send him to Portland. Um, it, for it Nurk? would be a tricky, yeah, for Nurkic. Uh, <laughs> but they'd have to give up, you know, they'd have to give up Kevin Love and then sending back someone like J.R. Smith, um, like Ante Zizic and Seti o- Chetty Osman. I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> um, but. Something like that where you try to get rid of a bunch of salary. And uh, I, I know J.R. Smith hasn't been that great this year, but he, I feel like he's played really well in his career when he's been next to strong leaders. And so if you were able to attach him with Kevin Love and have him playing with Damian Lillard um, in Portland, CJ. I think that would be good for J.R. Because I, I feel like Lillard's enough of a leader to like get through with J.R. and be like, hey, look, here's how things are going to be. Like, we're going to have success. I just need you to do this. Um, right. Yeah, I can see... That's... I, I would say... I, that, I mean, that, I can see Kevin Love. I think that's a great... I think that's a great pick. I, it, I wasn't thinking about... I didn't know who I was going to answer for this, to be honest with you. I was going to say, oh, maybe Kimba. Um, but, uh, which actually, at this point, probably, I just feel like he's not going to... They're not going to move him. But Kevin Love's a great one because he had... You know, they had that big airing it out sort of meeting... Um, and then, uh, and then suddenly, uh, oh, everything's cool. Everything's great. It would be, it would be so NBA for then like, you know, two weeks later, ah, nope, we traded him. Um, well, and I also think it's in, I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but if the Trailblazers could send Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, Ed Davis, Noah Vonley, and Yusuf Nurkic. So four big guys, <laughs> um, over, great. over to Cleveland and Mo Harkless, who's a wing defender, but you know, the, the Cavs, would be getting younger, and they'd Portland probably have to send like two first round picks because they're not giving up a star back for Kevin right. Love. But like, if you put out, you know, you you'd have to be trying to play, you know, like Ante Zizic would be getting some pretty big minutes, and Zach Collins would be getting minutes. Zach Collins, but you just you just right? be going small with like Damian Lillard, J.R. Smith, C.J. McCollum, um, Al Farouk Amino, and then Kevin Love. Like that's, Jeez. I feel like that's a really exciting lineup, and then you can try to find a center in the free agency market next season, and like, just go crazy. Like that'd be, I think that'd be a really fun lineup to watch, even though it is Portland. But you know, if, if they trade Nurkic, I don't have as hard of feelings towards them. 
That's fair. All right, Evan, uh, I'll let you decide. Yeah, any any uh, any trades you want to see or any big names you see getting moved? Uh, you know, I, I think this year is going to be more low-key than last year. Obviously, I don't think there's going to be any big blockbuster DeMarcus Cousins type deals going on. Um, I'm interested to see how the DeAndre Jordan thing plays out, if anything happens there. That's um, another good one, yeah. Because you know that's that's been popping up every now and then. I don't think right. it, it was it was hilarious when uh, Portland was in town the other day, and you know that whole thing happened where they're like, "Oh, or Portland's trying to get Jordan." And obviously, Nurkic would be involved <laughs> in that. Nurkic, right? Oh. As he's professing his love to the organization and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm also interested in Orlando because you know. They're a bad team. They've been bad. Right. Evan Fournier has uh, been a guy who's been rumored. Him, you know, they, they've got Vucevic, who could be an asset. Or even, I, w- I don't think it would happen, but Aaron Gordon would be right. something. If I was the team, I'd be trying to go for him. But Right. Orlando's fans might riot, though, because that's, that's, yeah. that's essentially all I, I, that, one, that one doesn't seem likely, but they, if I were them, I'd be selling if I, but... Right. All right. Tell you what. Let's let's yeah. move on to the last segment. And I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you want to do the Mavericks? Or do you want to do Mark? Do Demarcus Cousins' injury? We can just do the Mavericks in two minutes or less. We can do this. I, you know, let's just, let's just. I mean, all right. Let, let's pick. Oh, I'm going to just do this. We'll just go with the first question. Uh, no, that was a bad question. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, the answer is no. The answer is no. I was just going to say. Um, if how how big I guess let's just put it this way if if the Nuggets get lose this game, Dan how much how much does it kill their momentum? I think it's gonna be tough because after the Mavericks game they come back home, or they're playing a home game against Boston and then they go on a back to back on the road against San Antonio, and Boston's a really good team they have like number one a top five defense in the league, and San Antonio right. it's the Spurs like Nuggets never win in San Antonio. So you're hoping to try to win this game against the Mavericks so that you have some buffer. Like this was January is supposed to be the easy month for the Nuggets and they're on pace to go like under 500. So hopefully they can get this win so that it's like a seven, eight month instead of a, you know, six and nine month. Right. Right. No. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a big, it's a big, um, game for them just in, in terms of because they, they they've squandered a lot of opportunity here this month uh and now and now they're starting to hit into a tougher part of their schedule uh evan i'm just gonna skip you on this one let's just get into demarcus cousins enough of this mavericks okay. nonsense <laughs> all right so evan i will go straight to you on this so now i just got tweeted out from Woj sources pelican suspect torn left achilles for demarcus cousins awaiting confirmation in an R- mri which he will get tonight by all indications, it sounds like DeMarcus Cousins' season will be done. If that is the case, how does that change the, the outlook for the Nuggets? Oh, it's it's huge for the Nuggets because it makes the playoff race a lot less tight. Um, you know, they've, New Orleans has been playing pretty well as of late. Uh, and really, like, Cousins has been a huge part of that. They're the sixth seed right now. Probably the biggest part of it, right? Yeah, so, I mean, Davis is is a phenomenal player, of course, but having both of them together has been huge for them. So, uh, 
it all the you know you right off the bat you think okay they're gonna fall out of the playoff race um which i don't want to just jump to conclusions there with that because they're still they still got some good players and davis has carried them to the playoffs before by himself um so you know in theory it should help denver a little bit but denver needs to get the job done on their own too Right. So Shams Shams Sharania of Yahoo Sports mm-hmm. just tweeted out New Orleans All Star Center Demarcus Cousins has initial diagnosis of a torn left Achilles tendon. League sources tell Yahoo Sports he's on his way now to get MRI to confirm. Right. So So it sounds like uh, that's what I said. So it sounds like I mean he's out for the it would be on uh, a torn Achilles would be done for a season. It would even at this point uh It's like eighteen w- months. Yeah, I was like, yeah. he probably would not be ready uh, for the start of next season either. It's going to be, um, it would be some time. Here's the thing. Okay, so Dan, here's the thing. Right now, the Pelicans are currently three. They're just they're three games ahead of the Clippers, uh, who are sitting in slot number nine. Do you think? Do you think they're going to end up falling out of the playoffs um, because of this? I do. Um. Cousins is a you know really great player and like we looked at the Rockets and they're able to keep one of Harden and Chris Paul on the court for 48 minutes so they have two all-star guards on the court at all times right. the Pelican strategy has been play two all-star centers the entire game um you know they they, they can play Cousins and Anthony Davis together but they really like having one of those guys out there all the time and right. the Pelicans bench is very bad um, and it's it's already not good, but it's kind of like buoyed up from instead of being very bad, they're just bad because Cousins is out there for so much of the time. Right. But now with Cousins gone, they're going to have to turn to like Omer Ashik or Chick Diallo because Alex, Alexis Ajinsha is out. Um, so, you know, you're looking at them, they're 27 and 21, so they've got a little bit of a buffer. Um, but. You know, Anthony Davis doesn't really like playing center because he get he gets hurt banging down, you know, for rebounds and things, which is how Cousins got injured fighting for an offensive rebound. Um, so it it sucks, but like you know, they they kind of went all in on having an expensive starting unit in a subpar bench, and now one of their you know their second best players out. Wonder right. how that feels, huh? Right. Denver says. <laughs> yeah, Denver's like, yep, no, exactly. Well, yeah, at least they're going to get their guy back this season, uh, which is a big help. I think. I think what just makes it so interesting is this was this had essentially the the Western Conference was kind of really shaping up into uh, a nine team uh, kind of playoff race, right there. The the difference between the Clippers and the Jazz uh, is only three and a half games. But you kind of had this feeling like that the Jazz uh, were starting to just kind of fall off, even though they they were getting Gobert back. Um, I, maybe they can make a run still and try and get back into this thing. But it, it almost feels like that now, if, if the Pelicans can't can't survive this injury to Cousins, that your 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 playoff grouping is all in the Western Conference is kind of already set. Like there'll be some movement amongst the eight teams. But well, we already know which eight of them are going to go, uh, or are already going to be there, which is which is interesting. The other wrinkle uh, in this as well is what it maybe gives Nikola Jokic's chances for becoming an All NBA uh, player on one of those teams. It probably would have been tough, uh, but he was probably the fourth guy, fourth or fifth guy. Now he might have a chance at it. So 
uh, another I don't, interesting angle. I don't think the Jazz are a threat to make the playoffs because they're seven games under five hundred. Like they lose, they lose fourteen more games. They're going to finish with a losing record on the season. That's very and true. And it's yeah. not even February yet. Um, but for the Pelicans, like they're twenty-seven and twenty-one. They're six games over five hundred. But I could see them slipping down to like. So, but the Clippers are twenty-three win. and twenty-four, right? They're, I mean, Clippers are only they're one twenty-four game and twenty-four. Yeah, they're so five hundred. But I think the Clippers are probably going to be the eight seed now. I, I or it's going to be a battle between the Clippers. And the Pelicans, I think the Clippers could still trade DeAndre Jordan, and maybe this makes it really unlikely uh, that they'll do that now because they'll think yeah. they can make the playoffs. Wonder how much that affects um, affects their their viewpoint. That's another good way to look at it too. Well, I'll tell you what, we are we are pretty much out of time, so we are going to go ahead and and wrap it up. With that said, uh, like I like I always say, guys, follow us on Denver Stiffs uh, on Twitter at the Denver Stiffs. Make sure you're following Nothing But Net Radio. Um, at NBN Radio. Dan is uh, forming a well-regulated militia. You'll find him at Minuteman Dan. Uh, Evan, his full name is Evan Ernesto <laughs> Fiala, so you'll find him E.E. Fiala. Uh, I am Zach Mikosh. Uh Catch us on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs, and of course, like I said, Facebook, Facebook Live. Uh, you're going to want to check us out in about a half hour. I'll be over I'll be courtside uh, getting ready to shoot some warm-ups do a Q&A with you guys. So, Make sure you're following all that stuff. Uh, Dan, Evan, thanks for being on, guys. No problem. Yep, have a good one. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week. serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.